Hello, and welcome to episode 51 of The Jared White Show, recorded February 25th, 2020. I'm your host, Jared White, and this is a weekly podcast where we gather to celebrate the best of internet culture, advocate for an open web, revel in geek fandom, and discover what it means to be a creator of integrity in 2020 and beyond. Hey, it's good to be back. I was away for a little bit. Not away in body, but away in spirit for a variety of reasons. Some good, some not so good. Uh, There was some illness mixed up in there, but I'm feeling better now, and I'm ready to dive into this very interesting topic that we have for you today, the state of social media in 2020. It's been a while since I've talked about the social media landscape, the the different social networks out there, whether proprietary or open, and I've observed some changes in my own behavior in terms of which services I'm using and why, and I thought it'd be good just to look look at the landscape in 2020 and see what's going on, see where the trends are, see what might be coming, and just also comment on what I've observed in my own behavior when it comes to different social media platforms. Uh, So the first platform I'd like to talk about is Facebook. Now, here's the thing about Facebook when it comes to my usage of it. There isn't any. (laughs) I don't use Facebook. I'm not on Facebook. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. However, I am interested in this new redesign of Facebook. I don't know if you've heard about this, but Facebook will soon be unveiling a pretty substantial redesign of Facebook.com. The the desktop website for Facebook is going to look very different come this spring. They already have it rolled out to a few people, you know, relatively few. For for all I know, it's like one million people. (laughs) But whatever it is, it's a drop in the bucket. Uh, They're just in a sort of semi-private beta test phase right now. And uh, so, you know, you can look it up. I'll have a couple links in the show notes if you want to see what that looks like. Um, But uh, it makes Facebook look much more modern, much more streamlined. Uh, It's easier to access uh, common features. It looks like they're making it much easier to, to instantly jump to groups, for example. And honestly, the groups area, the, the group's feature set of Facebook is always something I was most interested in when I was still on Facebook. And it was actually frustrating to me. It was one of the reasons I ended up just getting so frustrated with Facebook and leaving was they kept talking about the importance of groups. And Mark Zuckerberg kept saying he wanted to focus more on groups and Facebook. And they kept doing weird things, especially in the mobile app, to make it hard to get to groups, to make it hard to, to see what's new in your favorite groups. Uh, and there's just a lot of problems there. So I'm, I'm hopeful that there is forward progress in making it uh, easier to get to groups, at least on desktop. Uh, another interesting thing about this redesign is there's going to be a dark mode. And I looked at a screenshot just this morning of the new Facebook dark mode design uh, coming out soon this spring in 2020. And I got to say, it looks really nice. It really looks good. Uh, it, it, it kind of reminds me of, you know, for many years now, you, if you swim in designer circles on the web, you'll see uh, you know, all kinds of, of third-party attempts 
I don't know what you'd call it. It's like fanfic, but for website designs. <laughs> People designing their own versions of Facebook or LinkedIn or Dropbox or whatever. I've seen so many of these over the years. And, you know, a lot of the time when people do their own, here's how I would design Facebook, uh, you know, it, it it's always something that, that seems very trendy and very modern and very hip and, you know, has whatever the, the latest hotness is in terms of like, oh, everything's rounded or everything's, you know, this new color palette that's really slick or... Uh, it's, you know, something that, you know, looks cool in a designer mock-up, but, you know, doesn't necessarily seem like anything that would actually be put out by the company because it's, you know, too outlandish or too different or something. Um, but this new redesign from Facebook, you know, almost starts to wade into that territory where it feels like, okay, some some set of higher-ups at Facebook, you know, who knows, maybe Zuckerberg's promoting this directly, but, you know, somebody... Somewhere at Facebook is saying, let's do something kind of bold, kind of drastic to, to shake things up here and, and look new and look fresh. And so, you know, whatever you might say about Facebook, the company, whatever you might say about their, you know, all the problems they've had with, with privacy and overreach and, and misusing data and, and uh, you know, all the different sort of megalomania issues that people talk about, whatever you might think about all that. I think you have to give Facebook some credit for what they're doing on the design side now with their desktop app. Uh, I'm pretty impressed. It's not enough to make me want to start using Facebook again, but it's definitely got me interested. And that's actually a question that I, I think about now and then. What would get me to start using Facebook again? What could they do to convince me that I should become a user of Facebook.com once again? And I think it boils mainly down to a couple major points. The first one being, I would want to have extreme and trusted controls over every scrap of data Facebook is trying to collect on me. Like, I should be able to click on a button and see exactly what they have on my profile in their database. I should see exactly, you know, why they would target one sort of ad or another to me see exactly how, if, if at all, and hopefully not much, <laughs> sharing they're doing with any other services. I'd want to be able to turn off any sort of retargeting or, or you know, situations where third-party marketers are uploading their data profiles and it's getting commingled with my data on Facebook. Like, I'd want to be able to you know, turn off as much as I possibly could around all of those aspects and be able to see exactly what data Facebook has on me and be able to, you know, delete things or control things in a very precise way. So, you know, they've taken baby steps in this direction over the last year or two, um, but I think they still need to do a lot more before I would feel comfortable in any way using Facebook. The second thing is I'd want to see Facebook do a much better job of allowing open web interoperability with their service and, you know, this might seem the opposite of privacy, like, wait, wait, what are you saying? You want you be able to share more with the rest of the web? But what I'm saying is, for the most part, the kinds of things I tend to share on social networks are intended for the public. You know, I, I post things that are, you know, content creator-ish sort of stuff. I really don't use social media much at all. For, for anything personal. You know, I'm, I'm not going onto a, a social network 
with the intention of posting photos of my kids to share with a select group of friends. Uh, you know, if I'm trying to share something with a friend, I'm going to use a, a much more private sort of messenger style of communication. Um, so, you know, if I were to get back on Facebook, for the most part, the kinds of things I would post on Facebook, you know, whether on my own profile or a business page or what have you, uh, it's, it's meant for public consumption. And so I would want all of those posts to be as, as easy to consume outside of Facebook as possible. I'm not necessarily saying Facebook should just, you know, turn on an RSS feed, although that would be nice. Um, but some way, without jumping through all kinds of crazy API hoops and, and minutia of technical details that might get revoked at any point if Facebook gets nervous about some data breach or whatever, like I'd, I would want it, there to just be some easy way, you know, call a certain URL and get some JSON back or something. I don't know. But uh, I just would not feel comfortable posting things on Facebook if I didn't have any easy way to disseminate that content outside of Facebook. So I, I would really want Facebook to do a much better job of being a good citizen on the open web. Anyway, those are my thoughts on Facebook. Obviously, you can't really talk about Facebook these days without also talking about Instagram, which I will a little bit later in this program. But next up is Twitter. Twitter is continually fascinating to me. I'm fascinated by Twitter both as a product and as a company. Uh, unlike Facebook, Twitter has managed to look a little bit more sane when it comes to, uh, let's just say, you know, Jack Dorsey as a leader is a very different person than Mark Zuckerberg. You, know, you don't get the impression that, Jack's, that Jack Dorsey's you know, overarching goal above all else is to dominate the planet. And, you know, he doesn't try to do things at Twitter that seem like he wants Twitter to take over everything, like some giant blob of monstrous <laughs> technical goo. Like, you know, he's not trying to make the entire world think of the internet as Twitter <laughs> in the way that Facebook in the past tried to make people think that the internet is essentially Facebook obviously Twitter has all kinds of problems that people talk about, whether it's, you know, allowing Nazis on the platform or allowing somebody like Donald Trump to keep tweeting or, you know, not providing uh, adequate tools for folks to, you know, guard themselves against trolls and, you know, all, all those sorts of things. But I, I think at the end of the day, the, the current leadership at Twitter has, you know, however misguided it might be, a reasonably idealistic view of how Twitter uh, is, you know, capable of being used for good and why it's useful and why people continue to use it. You can critique their reasoning, but I think, generally speaking, the, uh, you know, the motives of the higher-ups at Twitter are reasonably sound. And that's why I keep using Twitter. That's why I have no intention of leaving Twitter. Uh, and it's also why uh, some of the, I think, kind of knee-jerk reactions against Twitter in some corners of the Fediverse, and I'll get to that in a little bit here, but uh, I think some of, the, some of the angst against Twitter uh, is overblown. And it, in my mind, it's kind of backfiring at this point. Uh, again, I'll, I'll get into that a little bit, but, you know... At, at this present moment, I'm pretty satisfied using Twitter. I, I find a lot of useful utility out of it. 
Um, you know, the, the ways that I use Twitter are in, in many respects uh, interest based, you know, so I'll follow people on Twitter who primarily post on topics I care about. So I'm not just indiscriminately following, you know, all sorts of random people and getting just some random jumble of things in my timeline. I'm pretty careful who I follow. And if I, you know, see a lot of content about things that are annoying to me or I don't care about, I'll start unfollowing people. And so uh, for me, the, the, the timeline I get on Twitter is fairly well curated, fairly interesting. Sure, there's some outrage machine sort of stuff going on sometimes and that can get fatiguing. Um, but I feel like I'm able to do a, a pretty good job of, of using Twitter in a helpful way and keeping it at bay when it's just, you know, getting overwhelming to me and no longer fun. And, uh, you know, recent uh, initiatives from Twitter, which I've commented on around, you know, exploring if there's a way for Twitter to enter into the Fediverse of sorts, if there's a way to, to bring Twitter into a world of more open protocols and data sharing between Twitter and other networks. Uh, you know, I find that all fascinating. Uh, I covered that in the previous episode, which I'll have a link to in the show notes. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's certainly a few years out, I would say, but I think all of that sounds really promising. All right, so that's Twitter. Next up, YouTube. Again, my views on YouTube have evolved a little bit over the last year or so. I went through a phase where I was feeling fairly negative about YouTube, just in the sense of, of you know, not wanting YouTube to be the only source of video on the internet, the only platform where people can share and watch videos, user-created videos on the internet. Also, I have many bones to pick with Google, just in general as a company. And of course, YouTube is owned by Google. So uh, ills that befall Google in terms of, of their attempts to dominate the internet and not respect people's privacy. Uh, uh, you know, all of those sorts of issues can plague YouTube as well, potentially. Um, so all that conspired to, to sort of lead me down a path for a little while where I was experimenting with posting videos on Vimeo as well as YouTube or even instead of YouTube and promoting those Vimeo videos on my own website and in my email newsletter and so forth. And here's the thing. When it comes to sharing something like a video on the internet, the, the, the mechanisms of hosting that video and allowing that video to be played are really one small part of the picture. The much larger part of that picture is distribution. How are you distributing your content? Who's your audience and how are they getting that content? And like it or not, YouTube is where the audience is. When people want to go on the internet and watch videos just in general, like things that people post on the internet that are video form, they go to YouTube. They go directly to YouTube. They're not looking for videos on, on other mediums. And, you know, it, it's, it's unfortunate, yes, but it's the reality. It's, it's just the reality of what's happening. So, you know, as much as I want to promote my email newsletter and link to videos from there, and those videos might be on Vimeo, not YouTube, uh, as much as I might like to share links to Vimeo directly from, you know, posts on Twitter and other, other avenues, uh, you know, you can only do so much there. 
And the, the truth is that when people are looking to subscribe to a creator, when, when folks are trying to be part of a community of, of people that uh, rally around a particular creator, that's happening on YouTube. And when you go to YouTube using the, the website or the app on your iPad or iPhone or whatever, um, you know, and you get that list of all the creators you're subscribed to and all, get all their latest videos, uh, it, you know, it feels like you're part of a certain community. It feels like you're part of a, a, a sort of movement that gathers around those content creators. And you can't get that same feeling anywhere else. You just can't. And so for better or for worse, I have gone back to uh, wanting to post videos on YouTube and, and link to videos directly on YouTube. And, and just generally try to grow my, my subscriber count on YouTube. Uh, not because I'm a huge fan of YouTube in general, but because that's what you have to do as a content creator. I, I don't have much choice in the matter. If I, if I were somebody with millions of followers, you know, if I, if I were a Casey Neistat and I decided, you know, I'll, I'll just set up my own video service and, you know, I'm sure some high percentage of the millions of people that watch every video I create regularly, uh, they'll come over, they'll, they'll follow me wherever I go on the web. Uh, you know, if, if you're at that level, sure, maybe, maybe that'll work for you. Um, but at the level I am, uh, posting a video on YouTube or not could be the difference from, you know, getting a few dozen or a few hundred views on a video versus close to zero. <laughs> That's just the reality of it. So, uh, you know, in my mind, like there's really only two choices here. Just stop making videos and give it up or create videos and post them on YouTube. And that's, that's kind of the situation you're in these days as a content creator. So, uh, so that's, that's where I am now. Uh, I'm, I'm a, a reluctant YouTube user, YouTube creator, and I'll, I'll continue to explore ways to to not solely rely on YouTube to, uh, you know, f- to, to think of, of new ways to use the open web uh, as a content creator uh, where video is concerned. But at this present moment, uh, YouTube is pretty much where it's at. Next up, Instagram. Uh, I'm a happy user of Instagram because uh, I use Instagram in a very specific way. I don't use Instagram to, to follow influencers or or people that are you know trying to game gamify their interactions with people in order to get millions of followers and all all the kind of wacky stuff that can go on on Instagram sometimes and the the reasons for which Instagram sometimes gets criticized I don't use Instagram for that I use Instagram for something very specific I follow people and hashtags that are around photography that I love to view. And a lot of that is uh, photography of Portland, of the Pacific Northwest, of, of hiking and travel and exploration and adventure and all those sorts of things. So th- those are the kind of people, those are the kind of topics I follow on Instagram. And that's the kind of content I like to create myself as much as I can and post on Instagram. And so for that usage of Instagram, uh, it works well for me. And yes, Instagram is owned by Facebook, and yes, Instagram has ads, and they have you know some kind of profile on me, and they know what I like. Um, but the that profile and knowing what I like 
I feel like is is somewhat contained within a, a, a narrow band of topics, which really are the things I like. So some of the some of the ads I do see on Instagram are specifically around travel or the philosophy of essentialism or you know different things that uh, they actually are interesting to me and they actually are what I'm trying to look for uh, in terms of content on Instagram. Uh, so occasionally I'll I'll tap on an ad because it's directly relevant to what I'm doing there on Instagram. Uh, so I feel like Instagram, unlike the gargantuan, you know, consuming everything sort of ethos that Facebook, the parent company and app, uh, seem to have, uh, with Instagram, it's it's very specific. It's very focused on what it's for in my life and how I use it, and I feel like the experience is well tailored to that. Uh, so it works for me. So of all the social platforms right now, I feel like in terms of what's the most fun, what feels the most rewarding, uh, right now that's Instagram. Uh, and I also get the most interactions there, I feel like. You know, if I post a photo on there and I put in the right hashtags and so forth, I'll get a fair number of likes. And it's fun. You know, it's fun to to get that sort of engagement on a daily basis and and there's there's not really a problem with with trolls and with weirdos. I, I I I can't even remember the last time I got some kind of comment on a photo where somebody was being mean or negative, uh, unlike what you might experience on other sites. I mean, I've I've had people do a thumbs down on a video I've posted on YouTube where like I don't I don't know what could possibly be in the video that they wouldn't like. It's like me walking around in a farmer's market and shooting some video as I'm traveling in a streetcar. Like, what's there not to like? I don't know why somebody would click thumbs down on it. It just It's weird. So YouTube has that sort of weird element of grumpy people trying to mess up things. Um, but there's hardly any of that on Instagram, at least for me. If, if I had millions of followers, I'm sure there would be a, a whole bunch of problems I'd have to deal with on Instagram, just like on any other platform. But the scale I'm operating, Instagram's just basically fun. And for me right now, fun is what I'm looking for <laughs> uh, when I use a service on the internet. All right, it's time to talk about the elephant in the room. <laughs> um, I want to talk about Mastodon. And specifically, I want to sort of think out loud about why I'm not using my openweb.social Mastodon instance that much anymore. I just, I just haven't been doing much on there. It wasn't any real conscious choice of like, oh, I'm going to stop using Mastodon. I don't like the Fediverse anymore. It was never anything like that. It was just, I just observed in myself after a while, like, wow, I'm not really posting much on there anymore. I'm not really looking at my timeline on there anymore. I wonder what's up with that. And so I've been giving it a lot of thought, and I think it kind of comes back to what I've been saying uh, a number of times here, which is what I'm looking for in a social media platform these days is, by and large, what is giving me the most value, what's the most fun, what's the most rewarding. And a lot of that comes down to the kind of topics I can get into, the kind of interests I can follow and and can interact with. And... It's hard to do that on the Fediverse right now because every instance is somewhat of a self-contained world. Depending on the instance you're a part of, uh, it, you might not get 
much content that you're particularly interested in. And you can get content from other instances, but you have to find people to follow first. You can't just say, I want to follow a hashtag and get content from all the instances all nicely grouped together coming into your timeline. It doesn't really work like that. Uh, you're, you're only going to see content that's related to people you follow and the people that follow other people across various instances. So it's really uncertain. And I've run my own instance for a while now, openweb.social. Uh, and you know it's, it's fun to have set that up. Uh, it, was, it was cool that I could essentially boot up a social network on a server I control. Um, but the downside to that is I don't have a lot of visibility into how I'm getting content from other instances. And particularly with the hashtag situation, uh, that's a real problem. Uh, you know, if I could follow certain hashtags and know that all of the content via those hashtags were coming from, you know, a whole bunch of other instances that maybe I could control or, or you know, say, hey, I want to pull in hashtagged content from all these other instances, that sort of thing, uh, maybe, maybe it would get better. But uh, that's, that's all really sort of indeterminate right now. Uh, and instead, what I find is I'll go to my timeline and there'll be like 30, 40 posts about just completely random stuff, you know, geeks talking about geek stuff, uh, folks talking about anarchy and bringing down the capitalist system and you know, all these sorts of things that are sort of part of the culture on the Fediverse. Uh, and you know, some of that's interesting. Some of it I might agree with, but... Uh, you know, it's just it's just very chaotic. It's very random. Obviously, there's no algorithm like on Twitter. So if you've if you've been away for a few days, it's not like you can come back and sort of catch up on the most important topics or whatever. It's just it's just totally random. Whatever people post, it's just you. That's what you get. You get the chaos of of the web in its pure, unadulterated form, and. I just, I find it fatiguing at this point. I, I go on to my openweb.social instance and look at my timeline, and I just get tired and bored pretty quickly. And I think a lot of that is my fault, you know? Certainly, I could unfollow a bunch of people and go, you know, do some discovery to try to find new people to follow and curate my timeline that way. I certainly could do that. But just the thought of doing that is sort of fatiguing at this point. It's like, ah, yeah, I'm going to spend like two hours unfollowing and following people to get my timeline to be more interesting and useful to me. Uh, and then, I don't know, maybe uh, I'll have to do that all over again in another couple months. The other problem with the Fediverse is a lot of folks come and go. A lot of people sign up on an instance, try it out, and then fizzle out, and you don't hear from them again. Uh, in fact, uh, there was a wave... I want to say a year ago, maybe a year and a half, uh, where um, quite a few sort of tech luminaries were signing up on Mastodon instances. And I was excited, like, oh, I can follow Jason Snell now, or oh, I can follow this person or that person. This is so great. And they've set up their own instance for their friends, and everyone's going to be on here now. Uh, and then nothing came of it. And it was really disappointing because it's like, oh, I just now I have to go back to Twitter to follow all the people that I would normally follow who are content creators or, you know, minor celebrities in some field I'm interested in or what have you. Apologies, folks. Apparently my sickness is 
catching up to me a little bit here, and I'm sort of losing my voice. So it's I, I'll have to wrap up soon because I'm 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 losing it here. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, long story short, you know, I'm still bullish on the technology behind Mastodon, uh, the activity pub spec. I'm still a supporter of the Fediverse in spirit. Uh, I'm just at a bit of a low point right now in terms of how I feel about using it on a daily basis. And I know some of that is my fault, uh, just in terms of who I follow or don't follow. Uh, but I, I think I think there's a lot more that can be done in terms of discovery and in terms of being able to follow topics like you know following hashtags across instances. I think there's a lot more that can be done on the Fediverse to make it more useful for people. Uh, and I'm not sure who's doing that sort of work or how to how to encourage that sort of work. But uh, it's something I'm going to continue to think about, and continue to keep an eye on. All right, rounding out the list here, uh, the last main platform I'd like to talk about is Reddit. I haven't talked much about Reddit on this show, but I find myself using Reddit a lot. I'm really in Reddit quite a lot on a daily basis now. Uh, and that's because, again, this is, this is going to be a theme here, uh, Reddit is all about following certain topics that you care about. At least that's how I use it. You know, I... I I've, I join subreddits around various things like geek fandoms, you know, like The Witcher. I'm, I'm a big fan of The Witcher TV show on Netflix. Uh, I haven't played the games yet, but I'm interested in getting into that as well. And so there's, there's a Witcher subreddit, and I've joined that, and there's been all kinds of cool content on there, uh, fan art and discussions of different things, and it's just a lot of fun. Uh, there's a subreddit for Man in the High Castle, a show that just finished on Amazon Prime, and people are still on there talking about, you know, what does the ending mean, and and you know, aspects of of what it would be like to live in America if America was, you know, owned and run by Nazis. Like, it's fun to be part of those discussions, uh, uh, and there's just goofy stuff too. Like, there's the Ah subreddit. Like, literally, it's called Ah A W W. And, you know, I, so I open up Reddit and I see some goofy picture of a, of a goat or, or kittens rolling around in a whatever. It's, it's just, it's just fun stuff. Uh, and so, you know, the, the Reddit's not a social network in the sense that you're not on there to meet individual people and make friends, really. Uh, I, I guess you could do that, but uh, Reddit has a certain style of of anonymity in many respects like most of the people that i i think are on reddit uh you know don't reveal their real names necessarily or or what they do sort of out in the real world um and uh it's kind of like a lot of the folks on mastodon actually a lot of a lot of folks on the fediverse are are semi-anonymous uh and it's the same way on reddit so it, it, uh, the the way you use reddit is really much more around uh just sharing content that's relevant to the particular group the particular subreddit and then folks commenting on that uh and you know there's there's a bit of a toxic angle particularly in some of the tech related subreddits you know if i'm if i'm in a subreddit around a particular programming language or a particular framework or or some other technology uh there can be fairly heated discussions. You know, sometimes I posted comments that have been well received and other times I posted things and it gets way downvoted and grumpy people don't like what I have to say and it's kind of frustrating. Uh, 
Um, but that's just the nature of the biz. Uh, I've been part of internet discussion forums and comment boards and mailing lists and things since <laughs> since time immemorial at this point. So I'm quite used to that. It is what it is. But for the most part, I've found Reddit to be a fun experience, to be a rewarding experience. Uh, and a lot of the things I might use Facebook for, if I were on Facebook, uh, I get that utility from Reddit. You know, if I were on Facebook, maybe I would have joined a group on Facebook where people talk about The Witcher. Uh, but instead, I'm on Reddit and, and doing that. So I use Reddit a lot. And I don't see anything really in the sort of open web, Fediverse, social networking protocols world that really addresses uh, a, a, a site that's like Reddit per se. Uh, so that's another area of interest for me to to see if you know what what would a what would a federated set of instances look like where the the usage is much more of a, a similar pattern to Reddit. And, you know, you could join different groups and, and have that kind of thing going on. It's something to think about. Uh, quick honorable mention here. There's a new service called Byte that came out recently, B-Y-T-E. Uh, it's from the original creator of Vine. So the folks that created Vine, you know, that got uh, bought by Twitter eventually. And, and the things you could do on Vine kind of just got subsumed into Twitter, and that was that. And then nobody was really doing Vine-type stuff on Twitter for the most part. Um, but uh, but the, the, the Vine ethos is back now with Byte. I've played around with it a little bit, and it's fun, it's quirky, you can do these short looping videos that are very silly. Um, my understanding is uh, you can do pretty much this sort of thing with TikTok, and much longer video lengths. And so, you know, TikTok is this own juggernaut, which I'll have to talk about at some point. I, I'm not on TikTok and I have extremely mixed feelings about that service, but um, Byte seems kind of fun. It's kind of quirky. It's brand new. Uh, it's not really a citizen at all on the open web yet, but they promise that they will uh, introduce a, a website version of Byte, at least in some form, where you know you could share your profile and embed your Byte videos on other web pages and things of that nature. Uh, so once once Byte becomes a part of the web in earnest, I'll be much more interested in it. For now, it's just a gimmick. It's just a curiosity to me, uh, but I'm I'm keeping an eye on it. All right, so those are my thoughts on the state of social media in 2020. My thoughts on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, Mastodon, Reddit, and Byte. If you have any thoughts, if you have any feedback or comments on these topics, your usage of social networks in 2020, what you think the future of social media might be, where you see the Fediverse going, all that good stuff, please contact me. Please send me a message. All you have to do is go to jaredwhite.com and click message there to send me a message. Or you can find me on Twitter, of course, at Jared C. White. I'm on Mastodon. You can find me there at Jared at openweb.social. All of those links and more are in the show notes. So thanks once again, folks, for listening. And I will see you next time. Bye.